I want to thank all of the children that have been helping this morning. Haven't they been wonderful? Let's give them a round of applause. It is inspiring to have them here in our midst and also to provide the leadership that they have provided. This is great. We'll let them find their seats here, the ones that were in the choir. And Haley, let me express to you my appreciation for your work as the director of our children's ministry and the many that you have assisting you, because we do. Yes, we, uh, we, we are, are so indebted to all of you for helping this to happen, particularly today, but every Sunday and Wednesday nights as well. Over the past several weeks, we've shared together in the opportunity to read through the book of James. We haven't covered every verse. It may be that you've read it through in its entirety. If you have not, over the course of this sermon series, I encourage you to do so. You can do it in just a very short period of time. It's not very long. Now, this little book has such richness to it, but it also has this... um, infamy that is associated with it historically. Uh, Do you remember that at the beginning of this series, I mentioned that the great Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, said that uh, he had some question as to whether this book should even be in the Bible. Um, You and I, when we read through it, uh, maybe do not see it from the same perspective, the intensity with which he was reading uh, the New Testament epistles, particularly the epistles of Paul, he saw the church in being needful of being saved from works righteousness, of thinking that we can work our way into heaven. And so he focused us on passages of scripture in Paul that lead us to focus on faith. However, it's interesting that there is so much in the writing of James that actually has correspondence with Paul's understanding of how important it is to put our faith into action. James says, he goes so far as to say that uh, he wonders if we can actually call ourselves saved if we are not putting our faith into action. If our works are not evident, then is anything going on in our faith? Uh, Today, as we consider together, we may not even think of it as being work But prayer is work. It is work to which we are called in Christ. Prayer was an important part of Jesus' life. How could it not be? Prayer is our communication with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus was in constant communication with His Father from His earliest days until the end of His time here on this earth. He talked with God. He had His favorite ways of communicating. The word had gotten out that when he slipped out of bed early in the morning that he was going to be by himself and to have time of prayer, to get focused, certainly, but just to be in community with his heavenly father. He enjoyed going to Gethsemane, a garden that was made famous by his prayer It wasn't made famous by the olive trees that grew there. It was made famous 
by his prayerfulness in that spot. His disciples wanted him to teach them about prayer. They looked jealously at Jesus' life and knew that he was a person of prayer. But they also saw that John the baptizer's disciples were getting good training in this area. They came to Jesus and said, John teaches his disciples how to pray. Why don't you teach us how to pray? And so he made it a very, very simple formula. And we speak this every Sunday that we're together, the Lord's Prayer. You know it by heart. In just a few minutes during our communion service, you'll have the opportunity to say it again. Jesus was saying that this is not complicated. This is something that's very simple. It's important that we realize that it is meant to connect us with each other and with God. We get the God part, but sometimes we forget the each other part about prayer. You remember that after the Last Supper, uh, Jesus had with his disciples that they were in the garden once again. And Jesus asked them to be faithful in prayer as he went off by himself to speak to God the Father. And when he came back, what were they doing? They were sleeping. And in fact, he gave them three opportunities. And I don't know if it was their depression, their grief at knowing what was coming about, or if they were just simply worn out. They fell asleep. Have you ever fallen asleep praying at night? Come on, be honest with me. (laughs) You and I can be very lethargic. You and I can almost be lazy in prayer as we come before the Lord. And Jesus knew that. He wants us to be connected with God, but he also wants us to understand the connection we have with our brothers and sisters, even with Christ himself in our midst. This is the community that prayer should be making better. James understood that healing could come by way of prayer. And even on another level entirely, that forgiveness is what binds us together. In our modern context, we have this understanding of health care that allows physicians to do the work. In fact, we don't think of ourselves as being able to heal people. I mean, there are doctors and nurses, some that may be here among us today, that have skills. But for the most part, we who are unfamiliar with medicine, give that authority to those that are trained in it to do the work of medicine. Even in James's day, there were persons that were physicians. James was not willing to relinquish authority to them for all acts of healing. Miracles can occur from the prayers of those righteous people that will believe and have faith that God will act. Does this occur in every circumstance? No. 
I'm good evidence of that. On the one hand, I pray. I pray for you. As I look out over this congregation today, I see some of you particularly that are in need of the community's care and concern. We lift you up in prayer. In my life, I have seen some miracles, and I bet you have too. But I have prayed for some people that have gotten sicker. I don't think it was my prayer that sent them in that direction. But I'm not sure my prayer prevented them from getting sicker. Do I understand that? No. Does it make me cause to to have question about my faith? No. I believe it is a mystery. But if we stop offering our prayers to God, I do fear that the miracles that we expect will be less and less visible in our lives and in the lives of others. Do you remember that Jesus himself encountered that point of submission where he was praying, let this cup pass from me, and yet not my will, but thine be done. This should be a part of our very attitude as we come before God. For we never know how he is guiding and working his grace in our midst. There is much baggage that we carry. In fact, I believe that there are many people in the church that hold it against God. That he has not answered seemingly some of the prayers that have been prayed. We need to loosen up. And realize that there's a greater story going on here. James uses the example of the prophet Elijah. Who prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain. And then he prayed that it would rain and it did rain. I have people come to me and ask, preacher, we need rain. You need to pray. Now, I have to tell you that as far as I know, my prayers have not affected weather at this point. Does that mean that I have not prayed for rain? I've prayed with you for rain. Who knows what miracles may have come of our prayers? Have we survived seasons of drought together? And are you aware of how blessed we are with the recent rains that have come by God's good blessing? We need to link our lives with God and with each other. In my first appointment in southwest Georgia at a little United Methodist church called Cook's Union, it was mostly family that gathered I particularly will treasure 
the involvement of James Cook, who was not so involved before Sue and I were there. And by God's good grace, he became involved in worship. So involved that on Sunday evenings, when we would give the opportunity for any who had special prayers to stand and pray, that James stood up and prayed. In fact, he made it a regular thing to offer his prayers in worship. I can still remember James standing up and in his prayer, he had the audacity to link himself with these plural pronouns with the Almighty. He would say, let's pray for the family down the road that's struggling with illness, or let's pray for the family that lost their house in a fire. Let's pray for the one who has lost a family member in death. As if he and God were praying together. Well, this is the whole point. (laughs) That you are praying with God. And that you're connected, you and I are, with each other. Out of loving concern for the community. James refers to the anointing with oil. I was reading John Wesley's commentary on this. He said, even in his day that this was a forgotten, forgotten part of prayer. He said, we need to be anointing each other with oil as we pray. He said, not as the Romans do. Now, he was not talking about the nation of Rome. He was talking, he was talking about the Roman Catholics because in their In their sacraments, they have what is called last rites. And in those last rites, there is something that is called extreme unction in which the priest over someone who is dying will mark their forehead, their lips, their nose, their ears, their hands, their feet with oil. And the way John Wesley had observed this happening, he said it is... It is a blessing before death, but it is not a calling back and a belief in the ability of God to provide healing, even in those situations. Now, let me share with you that I am not giving Roman Catholics a hard time here. Don't you go tell Doug Clark that I was preaching against Roman Catholics. They are our dear brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are learning from each other. And I'm learning more, I think, from them than they are learning from me. But there is something critical for us to hear about what John Wesley is saying. That if we believe, if we have faith that God can act, he will provide those miracles of his action. You and I must go to prayer But we must go as a people believing that before we pray that God is capable of answering our prayers. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his first words to his disciple were about prayer. He said, do not pile up empty phrases. But be close to God 
in your heart. Go into a room by yourself. He says, connecting yourself with God and with others. Don't make it something that God can see through, but that God can inhabit. James connects our prayers for healing with prayers for forgiveness. Forgiveness is what is so crucial for us in this community. There are folk that need to be forgiven. Folk out in the streets of Statesboro that need to be forgiven. There are folk in here that need to be forgiven. In fact, is there a soul here that doesn't need to be forgiven? You and I can work the greatest miracle by having prayers of forgiveness on our hearts in every day. This is a table of brokenness. All of us come bringing our brokenness as we unite with the brokenness of Christ to receive the unity of our faith. Let me remind you that all are welcome here. All of us are welcome. Would you come as a community believing that Christ will act in this place?